Good news. You started a company. Now you have to run it. When you look out into the sea of CRMs, it can look extremely blue. But HubSpot is here to give your company a more human approach. We're a CRM that's easy to use, aligns all your teams seamlessly, and delivers a better experience for your customers. So your business feels like a helpful partner and not just some company trying to force a sale. There's a better way to help grow your business by connecting your people, your customers, and your business. HubSpot. Grow better. On this episode of Greater Than Zero Percent, we hear from Dr. Carly Lappin, who is the Director of Clinical Outreach at The Place for Children with Autism, which is an organization that provides autism therapy for children ages two to six on a mission to enrich the lives of the children they serve. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, especially if you want to watch the videos. We also publish our audio versions of the podcast to your favorite outlets, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again, and see you soon. All right, so thanks everyone for tuning in to this episode of Greater Than Zero Percent. Today, we are graced by the presence of Dr. Carly Lappin, who is the uh, Clinical Outreach Director at The Place for Children with Autism. Dr. Lappin, thank you so much for taking thank some time today. Thank you for having me here. This is so exciting. Yes. So we're in one of your, as of January 2021, 10 locations um, and a place for children with autism. What are you all about? Yeah. So we provide therapy. It's called ABA therapy to children with autism ages two to six. It's a really important age to start therapy. There's a lot of research to show just how effective it is for that age group. Sorry, my mask is falling. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> this is COVID. No, no, this is great. This is great. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we provide therapy. It's called ABA therapy to children ages two to six uh, that have a diagnosis of autism. And gotcha. really, our whole goal is let's get these kids talking. Let's get them socializing. Let's get them prepared for school. So All right. And ages two to six, you said? That's correct. Okay. So um, kind of the three pillars of greater than 0% are awareness, education, and then engagement. Um, so I really want to start with the awareness and education piece. Uh, CDC recent survey said one in 54 uh, kiddos are born with autism. Um, talk to us about what that means. Yeah. Yeah, it means there's a lot of children being diagnosed <laughs> with autism. Um, and it seems to just be going up. And I think there's a lot of myths around why that's going up. but. You know, we're a very research-based facility and, and I'm a researcher myself and there's not truly one reason to why it's going up. Maybe it's being diagnosed better. Uh, we're getting better at the diagnostic tools, but you know, it just means there's a lot of kids out there that need support. Yeah. And when did you start getting involved in this this research, this topic? Yeah, uh, it's a story. <laughs> I'll make it a short story. Yeah, please. Um, I went to the University of Kansas for my undergrad, which happens to be one of the best programs for ABA in the country. And I didn't even know I was, I was at the best school, one of the best schools in the country. And I was in a class with professors that I now read about and that are now iconic to me. Wow. And they showed a video of a child before ABA therapy and then after ABA therapy. And the video, I mean, I was crying. It was so moving and I just needed to be part of the process. Right. Right. <laughs> it's okay. This is what we're all living with nowadays. <laughs> I just wanted to be part of the process in any way, shape or form. I just, I needed to get involved. Yeah. And how long ago was that now? Oh gosh, maybe like 10 years ago. All right. Is that around the time that uh, you joined or were a part of this organization? Not this organization. No. Um, so I did my undergrad in ABA mm -hmm. and then I went in and got my master's at another just really rigorous program in Texas. 
Um, and I got my master's there, I started doing research there. And then I just finished my doctorate uh, in behavior analysis as well. So wow. it's a lot of schooling. It sounds like a lot of schooling. <laughs> yeah, you know, these, these are families' kids. Yeah. And the people that are working and leading this field need to be educated and really just passionate. You yep. know? And ABA, um, I kind of want to double click on that. What What is ABA at a very high level and maybe what are some of the other um, treatment options? Yeah, ABA is Applied Behavior Analysis. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a science. It's a science based on human behavior. Um, but so ABA can be used, we use ABA with our wives and husbands all the time when we praise oh. them for doing the dishes and then they continue doing the dishes more often in the future. We just use reinforcement. Like these are all principles of behavior, but it's been shown very effective to use these principles with children with autism to help them. Okay. Yeah. So ABA, was it started for children with autism or was it a completely separate application when it, you know, 30 years ago, I think yeah, is, is it when it separate. started. They were doing a lot of research with animals, a lot of research with individuals with dementia, autism, special needs. Um, yeah, all around. It's not just for autism. I think people mistake that a lot. It's okay. a science. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Place for Children with Autism focuses on kids ages two to six. Why that age range? Yeah, a lot of research supports that the most crucial time, this is when children's brains are developing, the, the best prognosis is when you start early, two to six, uh, even one and a half to six. Right when you get that diagnosis of autism, ABA therapy should be started immediately. Okay, so it's the core age range for, for yeah. helping the treatment of this. And it is. It's very effective with older children as well and adults. I worked with adults in Texas. Um, it's effective. It's just more effective. Um, and I hate to say that, but the earlier you start, the better the prognosis. Okay. So with the increasing... I, I don't want to say increasing people being born with autism, but maybe like you mentioned, as we maybe have better ways to diagnose it or to see it um, versus not actually having it diagnosed. Um, I feel like a, a lot of people, at least myself, are thinking, how can we, um, if we're planning on have, having kids as a parent, what can we do now uh, to, uh, to maybe have that be less likely, um, but I, I feel like that kind of paints a bad picture on on like autism in general. But yeah, um, no, but yeah. my the thing I was going to tell you is don't worry, yeah. don't worry so much. Um, there's nothing that parents can do to. A lot of parents I talk to think they're at fault for some reason, um, maybe bad parenting or whatnot, and that is just not the case at all. Um, you know, researchers don't know exactly why autism happens, but there's a genetic component. It's something with way neurotransmitters are, are going off in the brain. It is not directly related to anything environmental. That means it's not related to vaccines. It's not related to the type of parent you are. Okay. And um, saying that, 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 I'm sure that brings a lot of peace to people's minds when they're thinking about it. Um, 50 years ago, um, what, was, what was it like for, I guess, society maybe first learning or not even knowing at that point? Um, do, I don't know if you've, during your education, yeah. have had the history of it. Mm -hmm. What was it like 50 years ago? Children were being called names that, and, and not just children, that I don't like to say. Mm. Um, and they were being sent away. They were being institutionalized. That is not what we should be doing because ABA therapy has so shown that children can recover from autism. I'm not saying there's a cure, but there are a lot of kids that when we start early, 
they're no longer showing symptoms of autism anymore. And I think it's very important to say, we're not trying to change the child by any means. We don't wanna change the child. We just wanna change the environment around the child to make them feel more comfortable, to give them better resources to learn. Yeah, was there any period or in, in the history of it so far that there was like a study that came out or there was like a decision made by government officials to say that we need to start focusing on this more? That's a good question. I honestly don't know the answer to that. Um, I just know that the more research that has come out, the more it's become aware to the community. And there's been a whole lot of research uh, in a, the Journal of Applied Behavior Analysis that their biggest one is called JAVA, mm -hmm. just showing this procedure helps for toilet training individuals with autism. This procedure really helps increase language. This procedure, so everything we do is based on research-based procedures. Nothing we do is random. Okay. All right, and then government. Uh, what what are the the resources that um, people maybe not don't know that they have access to mm -hmm. uh, for 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 helping you know treating autism? Yeah. So insurance covers ABA therapy. Private insurance. In the state of Illinois, we are one of three states that do not cover ABA therapy. So Medicaid does not cover therapy here. Hmm. That's tricky. That's really tough. We're doing a lot. We're meeting with government officials. We need to change that. That's not okay. Our organization believes in accessibility and that no matter what your socioeconomic status is, you your child should be able to get treatment. So I'm sorry, I'm getting a little heated. No, no, no. very upsetting uh, to me when I see children not able to access this therapy. That is such a life changer, such a game changer. Um, now, so private insurance covers it. Mm -hmm. So families can use their insurance and, and access therapy. There are several grants out there that we work very closely with to help families with their out-of-pocket expenses because even when insurance covers it, it's still pretty pricey. Yeah, and you said Illinois is one of the only three that doesn't cover it? Yeah, I believe, I don't wanna be quoted exactly. Right, 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 but. Okay. That Medicaid does not cover. And that's for ABA specifically. For ABA specifically. Okay. It, yes. What do you know? What it does cover? <laughs> uh, I believe it covers like speech therapy, occupational mm. therapy, developmental. Um, it's just that those types of therapies, as effective as they are, and they are very effective, are maybe one hour a week, two hours a week. ABA therapy is thirty to forty, at least at our centers, thirty right. to forty hours a week. Okay. And so parents usually come here and, and drop their kiddos ages two to six off during the day, and it's kind of like a daycare or not? Ooh, really? I definitely wouldn't. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't call it a daycare because yes. it is very much treatment. It is very yeah. much therapy. Um, so we do a lot more than just watch kiddos. Yes. We're doing therapy all day long. Okay. Um, but in a fun way, right? Yeah. Like when our kids are playing together, which, has, you know, COVID is happening right now, uh, it's 2020, but you know, pre-COVID, when our children are interacting, we're jumping in and teaching them how to ask for a turn and how to socialize and how to play, but everything we do is is teaching. Yeah, and, and that's what I think I saw on your website too, is um, that, that the having multiple kiddos in here versus having one-on-one -on -one secluded treatment is completely different in terms of the development. What What are kind of the differences that you see? Yeah. You know, I've worked for different providers in the past and, well, I kind of want to say this. So yeah. our founder created the Place for Children with Autism. He has a child with autism and he noticed other organizations weren't doing things quite right. I've worked for a ton of different providers. I noticed things were not done quite right. Um, In-home therapy, 
is great when you can do it. Mm -hmm. But you're right, it's one-on-one with no other children present. And how do you do 30 to 40 hours a week in a home setting? We knew when we opened the place for children with autism, we needed other kids present. We needed it to look like a school because our children are gonna go to school and they need to be prepared. We noticed a high turnover rate with staff because they were driving from house to house and spending a lot of time in the car. We knew we, right. we did not want high turnover rate. So we we really did things different. We have a grants department to help families with their out-of-pocket expenses. We help our families apply for grants and get financial assistance. So we were very strategic about how we opened the center, all of our centers. Okay. And before we get into the place for kids with autism oh, and kind of what you're doing. No, no, that was me. I, I'm just trying to dive deep into yeah. the, the education and the awareness piece. Yeah. Um, your grant department, what, what are some grants that, if, if I'm not sure how tight you are with them, yeah. how close, yeah. what are some grants that people have available that they might not have known that they have available for, for helping with this? Yeah, so there's Chicago Autism Network. That's a big one. And then one that we work really closely with is United I want to look at my phone. Yeah. No, it's okay. We'll, we'll make sure to link it in, uh, uh, in the United description. Children's Healthcare Foundation. Okay. Uh, and they're really big. They help families with medical expenses. So they're going to help families pay their co-pays, pay their premium, pay their out-of-pockets. They have something called the Therapy Assistance Grant. That's really big. So we don't necessarily have grants ourselves, but right. we help families fill out the applications and just make sure they're applying to every grant out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we've we interviewed tons and tons of organizations and it's it's crazy how many things are out there that people just don't know about yeah. um so yeah having a grant department for example is huge because that's that's one thing that you're helping and providing as a resource absolutely yeah we don't want to just be known as and i know we're not talking about the place yet but yeah. as a place that just provides therapy like right. i'm the director of our outreach department we want any family that calls us even if they don't want services with us we want to tell them all right well here are your next steps it's it is very scary when a family gets a diagnosis of autism and gets handed a pack of papers this big. Our job is to walk them through these stack of papers, really hold their hand through the process, make them feel supported, whether they get therapy with us or not. And that's a good transition actually into the organization. Yeah. So um, if you know that, the, the, I, I don't know how long it's been around, but what's been kind of the history of the place of children with autism? Yeah, in terms of how many locations, in terms of when it was founded. Yeah, oh, yeah I really should have looked this up. It's okay. My CEO would be like, how do you not know this already? <laughs> um, yeah, so you know, several years ago, we opened up our, our first center. And mm -hmm. at this point, we didn't even have a corporate office. I mean, we were in a tiny, and I wasn't even here at this point, but I, I hear the stories. Yeah. Um, actually, our founder met our our CFO. He was his Uber driver. No way. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. They're in the car and the Uber driver was like, I'm not happy with my job anymore. That's why I became an Uber driver. I like talking to people, but I'm burnt out. Yeah. And he's like, hmm, you know, I really like you. How about you become a CFO of a company that's changing the world? What? Yeah. So, <laughs> such a cool I mean, story. We started very small and, and we're growing really rapidly. So we started out with just a couple of centers. During today's interview, we have eight, and by the time this is released, it'll be 10. Wow. <laughs> or approaching 10. So, um, but we're big on, as we grow, it's to help more communities, but not change who we are and not yeah. change our small knit, you know, yeah. family here. <laughs> right. So talk me through like a normal process then. If, if, if a parent comes 
and wants to, to, to be a part or learn a little bit about the organization, what is, what's a typical process? Yeah, they can go to our website or they can call our outreach department directly. And you know, the first thing we'll probably ask is, do you have a diagnosis yet? If they say no, we have a whole list of places that diagnose. Um, so we'll, we'll help them find where to go if they have concerns. If they do have a diagnosis and, and they're ready to enroll, we'll, we'll walk them through the process. If we have a wait, we'll, we'll recommend other places. But yeah, we're really just gonna spend, our outreach coordinators, um, just they spend hours on the phone with families. Yeah. You know, anything they need. I'm sure a lot of the questions are being asked to those outreach coordinators today are, are like, what is this state like during COVID? Mm-hmm. Like, will my kiddo be in a room with tons of kids or are there protocols in place right now? So well, how has COVID impacted the normal operations of day to day? Yeah, it, it used to be, uh, you know, because social skills are so important and, and we hope to get back there really soon, but safety is number one. So um, no, there are not a bunch of kids in one room anymore. We have some COVID mitigation procedures in place. One is that, so every child has a one-on-one therapist. I think that's a really important thing that families don't know is that their child has a one-on-one hmm. all day. Um, all of our therapists are in PPE equipment. So that's big. We need to protect our kids and our staff. Uh, we do temperature checks at the door. All of our children are separated by 150 to 200 square feet. So it, we have these mats behind us and we have a lot of you know dividers in rooms just to make sure. And every toy that ch- has to be checked out now and sanitized mm. and we do fogging and just we actually are, we exceed CDC guidelines and COVID mitigation, and we're very proud of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we did a survey recently. We surveyed every single family that attends, so over 100 families, and 100% of families indicated they feel safe wow. with our mitigation strategy. So we're very proud of that. Yeah, I think that annual survey was posted on your website too, as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, couple questions. Uh, autism is not something that everyone experiences day to day or is educated on in their normal daily life. Um, what are some kind of misnomers or misconceptions that people have with autism and, and kind of just teach us and walk us through some of those? I know a lot of families get frustrated when people say, well, your child doesn't look like they have autism. It's just such a bizarre thing to say. Um, <laughs> it is called an autism spectrum disorder because no two kids are the same. It's a huge spectrum and you might not see something you might see a child walking down the street, not know they have autism, but not realize that the mom had just spent an hour trying to get her child's shirt on because the tag was upsetting them, right? So mm-hmm. there's just a lot more behind closed doors. But some other myths out there are just that children aren't social, that they don't want to be social. Children with autism very much, I believe, mm-hmm. want to be social. They just don't know how. Right. And that's our job is to teach them. Oh. And I- some of the questions maybe that I've had and maybe still have, and I'm assuming other people have it, but maybe they're just much smarter than me, is um, attention deficit disorder versus um, ADHD versus autism. Very different, I'm assuming, um, or or not. Yeah, it's different. Yeah. Um, they're classified, they're characterized by different behaviors. I will say that with autism, it's a comorbid disorder. So the likelihood that you probably have, you know, attention deficit or OCD or anxiety or depression might go along with autism, but they are characterized differently. Okay. Yeah, because that's the treatment. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like there's just because of the lack of education out there, 
Um, there's a lot of self-diagnosis going on with ADD, OCD, ADHD, um, and I didn't I didn't know if that also applied to autism or not. Yeah. But it seems like it's a little bit more of a serious um, or um, how do I say it um, type of uh, experience or something that the kiddos are going through. You know, a diagnosis, the word autism, the world, the word ADHD, it's a label. It's yeah. a label for observable behaviors. Mm-hmm. I'm a behavior analyst. What can I say? This is yes. how I see things, but it's just a label. And so under the autism umbrella, you might see these behaviors. We're under ADHD, ADD, you see these behaviors. So okay, different. And I, I kn- you said this in our pre-warm-up, um, but I think it's important to share with people because I didn't know it before of, like you mentioned, the labeling piece. Um, it is not politically correct anymore to call somebody or to say somebody's autistic because it's a label. Mm-hmm. Um, but saying that they're a child with autism is a much better way to say it because it's, it's, they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be seen as, as just autistic. They want to be seen as a, a child yeah. with autism. Yep, yep, exactly. And it goes, I recently saw uh, an adult with autism speak. And she said that she absolutely hates being called high functioning, right? So we sometimes say like low functioning autism, high functioning autism. And she, as an individual with autism, doesn't like that because she's like, what am I, a car? I have a functioning here? Like, no, she likes to be called highly independent. Mm. So, you know, we just have to be careful about the ways we, these are people, you know, people that we love and that we care about and, we just need to be very cautious about the way we word things. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've been noticing too over the past couple of years that there, like, I, I think I saw an article on LinkedIn that they're the first uh, person with autism as a model um, and, and the first person with autism running a, um, it wasn't a marathon or like a, like a really intense triathlon mm-hmm. or a decathlon. Um, so yeah. it, it seems like it's being normalized more. Um, which I think is a good thing because people are seeing it, people are talking about it, people are learning about it more. So it seems like things are moving in the right direction. Um, is that kind of the same perspective you have yeah, or no? I, I do. And, you know, for all those parents out there that I talk to, though, I think, like, I, I feel both ways about it. Like, yes, I want it to be normalized, but I also don't, that triathlon runner, that model, I don't want anyone to forget that they had to go through so many unique challenges that most people don't to get to where they are. So... So yeah, yes and no. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. So we have. Um, no, 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 no. This is good. This is good. No, this is perfect. This that's the whole point. I want to do like ten percent of the talking. It's all about you all. Um, so I, I've been doing a lot of Zoom meetings for for season three, and I'm really happy to to for a few of them be in person, especially in a facility like this. Uh, which reminds me, um, talk to us about some of the the toys and the objects around here. What are some of the purposes that they oh. that they play? <laughs> If there's any, yeah, they're really colorful. Their kids enjoy it. Yes, yeah, yeah, their kids enjoy it. Yeah, don't add that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, but like I mentioned, we we are in person, which is which is a, nice to do every now and then. No, it's good. Yeah, Mike's good. Um, which well, is nice. We ni- love our centers. Though. Yes, um, we want them to be bright and families to feel secure. So I think it's important. And we didn't say this is that our centers are an option if kids are not thriving in the traditional school setting. So they can pull their children out of school and come to our school instead. And so that is the way it is set up. It is set up like a school. We have Mm -hmm. a gym, we have individual school rooms or therapy rooms. So 
we have toilets. We do so much toilet training, like little kid toilet yeah. seats. So. Just the typical things that kids are usually learning. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, lots of toys, lots of trampolines. Yeah, okay. Last thing I want to do is um, we have a couple of our teammates here, and I'm going to give them input. any specific questions that they wanted to make sure to ask. Um, Kevin, anything on top of mind that you want to ask? And I'll repeat it for the people that are on audio only as well. Yeah. Um, so um, one thing that it sounds like ABA focuses just on very normal social interactions. Can you go into more detail about any services for quality of life, like uh, helping with living con- uh, accommodations or working with life skills, like crossing a street uh, safely, or just like going to a store and like picking out groceries or uh, getting a coffee so like it sounds like maybe ADA therapy is more like normal programming but like is there any way with like social interactions oh definitely that that is such a good question so I think there's a couple of things one we require parent training parent education with every child that we serve because we want to make sure everything we're doing here is you know translating and generalizing to the home environment but we also meet families out at the store and we help their children you know, practice pushing the cart. And, you know, there's some challenging behaviors when they have to leave the toy aisle. So we'll practice that skill. Um, We go on walks. We definitely practice looking left and right and crossing the street and really anything you can think of. So we do an assessment on every child that comes in and we look at where are they now and where should they be? We look at all those norms. What independent living skills do they have? How are they communicating? How are they socializing? And our whole job is to write up treatment goals to get them to where they need to be for their age. That comes along with all of that that you're talking about. So thank you for bringing that up. All right. And it looks like we have one more question. Corey? (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm curious. A lot of what we've talked about today has been phenomenal and Mm -hmm. it has truly focused mostly on like the children with autism. I am curious, like through your organization's curriculum, like how are you all supporting you know, beyond the child, like, are you bringing in the families? Are they getting education or like learning skills? Like, what does that kind of look like mm-hmm. for yeah. the organization? Yeah, parents are required. Um, it is a requirement that they are, you know, participating in parent training. And so we will have them observe the way that we're working with the child. We'll observe them. We take data on parents too. So I hate to say that, like, yeah. but, you know, we're constantly taking data on the child all day. How many colors did they master? How many words did they say? We, it's actually ethically, we, we are required by insurance companies, and I love that they require it, to take data on parents too. Mm-hmm. So we're really making sure they're mastering the skill. And the same way if a child's not mastering the skill, we will adapt how we're teaching parents too. Thank you. Oh, no, thanks. That was a great question. There's one other thing I didn't mention that I really want to mention. Please. Um, We were recently given, it's called the BCHOE accreditation. It's the behavioral... (laughs) BCHOE? Behavioral Health Centers of Excellence, BHCOE. Got it. Yeah, don't show me messing that one. No, no. (laughs) BHCOE. (laughs) Um, And it is a huge deal. Huge, huge, huge. So it's a third party and... They do rigorous examination. You have to apply for this accreditation. They look at consumer satisfaction. So our parents, they reach out to all of our parents, all of our staff, they look at all of our data, all of our protocols, and they grant very few organizations this accreditation. Mm -hmm. Um, It really just means they're surpassing expectations and they're one of the best providers in the country is really what it means. And we were just granted that. 
So it's going to be on our website soon, just like the badge of honor. And yeah, it's a big deal. Wow. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't sound like it was easy to get. <laughs> it was not easy to get. It took months and months and months and interviews with everybody on our, on our wow. team from the way we do our outreach, the way we, uh, everything. Yes. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, again, congrats. And I'm sure, yeah, when we share all the information about your organization, people can go see, see that as well. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end. Um, I'm sure people that are listening might want to know how that they, they could reach out or learn more. What's, uh, what, are your, what are your social medias yeah. that you have? I know, but I just want to, yeah, yeah. for the camera, so you can see it. If a parent wants to talk to us directly, there's two really good ways. One is go to our website, www.theplaceforchildrenwithautism.com. Fill out a contact us form or an enroll form or, or whatever. Um, I don't like saying whatever. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> go to our website, call us, reach out. To, um, go to our website, fill out a contact us form. We will reach out to you in 24 hours, yeah. if it's, unless it's a weekend, uh, 24 to 48 hours, or call us directly, 224-436-0788, Spanish and English. Um, our outreach coordinator or myself will contact you immediately and we will talk to you. You can follow us on Instagram. You can follow us on Facebook. We post a lot of like our events that are coming up mm -hmm. and, and things like that. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to leave us with before we wrap up here? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to talk about 2021. Yes. Because we're really excited about that. So we truly believe we're one of the best providers in the country. And we feel like it's our responsibility to expand to new areas. So um, we've recently, by the time this is out, our Orland Park location will be open. Mm hmm uh, Waukegan, we're still enrolling for that location. We're going a little bit further north. And then this year we're opening up in Pilsen, Aurora, and Elgin. And, and you know, we're already enrolling for that. So if a family is near that area or they want us to expand to an area that we're not at yet, reach out to us. We take those you know, considerations very carefully. All right. Well, thank you. And, and of course, per usual, we'll be sharing all the, the, this information on the website when we post it to, to Spotify, to Apple all that jazz. Um, but thank you, uh, Dr. Leppin, oh, so much you. for your time. This is so fun. And, yes. uh, and we're so honored to, to even be one of these organizations changing the world. So thank you. All right. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. And until next time. Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you know of a great organization or individual leaving a positive impact, we'd love to tell their story. Check us out and contact us at gtzp.org. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, especially if you want to watch the videos. We also publish our audio versions of the podcast to your favorite outlets, such as Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again, and see you soon.